This series gives you a direct line to the pinnacle traders. We're covering everything from when the odds are initially posted to looking at how the market might react. This is the opening line. Hello and welcome again to the opening line. The prices for week three have hit the board at Pinnacle, so it's time to take a look at the way the market's shaping up for the week ahead. Joining me again is Adam Chernoff. How's it going, Adam? Those two weeks went quick. We're already on the number three. 14 more to go after this, so we're making progress. And how was week three? How'd you get on? A bit of a mixed bag for me. Uh, A lot of good, a lot of bad. Ended up uh, just giving back a little bit of big. Uh, on about six wagers spread across the board. But um, interesting market outcomes continue. Uh, an interesting note I posted. I can't decide if this means anything or if it's just too early when I'm excited to get back to football. But there's been 60, now 70 different sides and totals uh, throughout the two weeks of the season. Just 20 of them have finished in the way that the side or the total has moved based on the pinnacle opening and closing price. So very rare to see uh, line movements like this continuously get crushed, and and a lot of them not even close. So it's been an interesting two weeks, to say the least. Well, let's get into the numbers and see if we can find any more line movement going on for this week. We got the Tennessee Titans at the Jacksonville Jaguars as our first game, and Tennessee have opened up at minus one and a half, the over-under is pretty low at 40 for, for good reason. It's an interesting one to start. So how do you think the market will react to that? Uh, I think we're going to see some Jacksonville money come into the market. The Titans got a lot of support last week against the Indianapolis Colts, which were uh, a team that a lot of influential bettors were quite high on going into that week, uh, just based on their depth and how much the market overreacted to the Andrew Luck retirement uh, throughout week, the last week of the preseason and week one um, of the regular season. So it was interesting to see that a lot of those betters got uh, disappointed by Tennessee in that game yesterday. Uh, so this one's probably going to draw some appetite for Jacksonville, about half a foot away from pulling off the upset as an eight-point road underdog in Houston, uh, ended up winning the yards per play battle in that one as well. So there's some promising numbers, whereas things sort of went against Tennessee when you dig into the box score a little bit within that game. I still have my doubts over Gardner Minshew and this offense. It's great that John Filippo was able to sort of win over Doug Marone and, and get some more passes out with Gardner Minshew. I thought they were going to go a little bit more run heavy, uh, but they were able to keep the ball in the air for the most part, even though things were very conservative. Um, I see some things to like here with Gardner Minshew. Worth keeping an eye on that defensive situation. A bit of a, a scuffle between Doug Marone, the head coach, and a couple key guys, Jalen Ramsey, uh, and a couple other guys on the sideline. Not sure if that'll turn into something or not. But um, overall, I think in an ugly game like this, market's going to lean to the home side as well as the under. And then we've got the Denver Broncos at the Green Bay Packers, and Green Bay are favored by over a touchdown at 75 it looks like that's actually already on the up with the over-under posted at 43.5. Now, Green Bay might have been a bit underestimated early on. Do you think we're now going to see the market start buying into them? Yeah, this was a quick move. Uh, traders over there were able to post up um, 6.5, and, and that one got bet up through the number. It's now 7.5, as you mentioned. Uh, I, I don't see any resistance between 7.5 and, and 9. Um, I think the Packers... Did, however, and I'll say this is someone who has them to go to the Super Bowl, 
Um, I do think that they got away with a bit of a fraudulent win against the Minnesota Vikings. If you dig into what happened within that game, uh, the opening market was three and a half. It got bet down to Minnesota two and a half. So there was a lot of influential money coming in on the Vikings a week ago. Packers ended up finishing with a 2.1 yards per play deficit. Uh, usually when you're looking at a number that big that the Vikings were able to outgain them, um, that usually implies that the team should win by about 10 points historically using the 0.2 divisor, which represents the yards per play to points. Um, so to see Green Bay get away with that uh, is much, much into their early lead that they were able to assemble 21 to nothing early on in that game. And they were able to just hang on, not scoring uh, the rest of the way during the game. So uh, at seven and a half, I think if it was able to push through seven with such ease, uh, we might see this one trend towards nine. I think the total is going to continue to tick down as there's very little hope uh, any betters are showing in the market for this Denver Broncos offense. Uh, had a lot of trouble running the football against the Oakland Raiders. Didn't do much to back that up against the Chicago Bears. Passing downfield, problematic. This Packers defense, uh, one of the best in the NFC. So it's going to be another tough week for them to go on the road in Green Bay. So we'll probably see some under money and some Packers money come in throughout the rest of the week. So on to the Detroit Lions at the Philadelphia Eagles. And despite that loss to the Falcons, the Eagles have been posted at a pretty hefty favorite at minus eight. The over-under is currently 48.5. Now, you said last week the Eagles are a public team. They take a lot of money. Do you think they can push this number out any further? It's going to really depend on the injury situation. Uh, by the end of that game, uh, just finished a couple hours ago now, um, Carson Wentz was throwing to guys that you really had to dig deep into the depth chart just to figure out exactly who they were. Uh, I believe they finished that game with two wide receivers and three running backs, no tight ends available on the field. Carson Wentz also banged up with his ribs, was able to come back, but that's been a lingering issue for him. Obviously a very big number. Um, I think this is disrespecting Detroit just a little bit. Uh, I thought seven was a bit of a better number. To, so to see it at eight, um, maybe slightly high, but those injuries could quickly bring this down if it turns into a cluster injury, uh, either at the wide receiver, tight end, or even in the secondary where they have some issues as well with some injury luck. So uh, we'll see how this injury report comes out on Wednesday uh, and then monitor that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to see where, where it ends up. But if, if everyone's healthy, um, I think this number will hold right around eight. Uh, now that it's made it through the seven and a half, probably going to linger right around there. And this total uh, at 49 and a half, 48 and a half, um, probably going to come down just a little bit uh, considering what we've seen from both of these teams in the first two weeks of the season. And then we've got the Baltimore Ravens at the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs had some, some preseason expectation. They've looked pretty good in the opening two weeks. Not really a surprise to see them at six and a half point favourite. There is actually even now some early action on it, so potentially moving out throughout the week, as could the over-under, which sits on a big 53 and a half. So what do you think on this one? Yeah, it's interesting to see that the Ravens, who have been heavily adjusted in the last two weeks in terms of the look ahead to the market and then the movement throughout the week has all been favor in favor of the Ravens. Now they go on the road to Kansas City. And not only do we see a number open right where the look ahead price opened, but we also see the market go against Baltimore for the first time all season. So obviously Kansas City, um, second favorite to win the AFC. So it, rightfully so. 
uh, in many sense, but it's now the first time that we're sort of looking at things against Baltimore. And also a little bit surprising that we didn't see big adjustments for Kansas City in the last two weeks. Um, so it's interesting that the price that was set preseason and then also the price set on the look ahead and now the opener uh, have all been consistent right at the six point mark. And we've now seen a little bit of movement up to six and a half. So some market disagreement. Uh, I think that's more related to Baltimore probably being overpriced last week. That's obvious now with the result in. But if you dig a little deeper, it's actually quite surprising that they were able to win that game. A lot of the numbers from the box score and just watching how the game played out would suggest that the Cardinals probably could have snuck away with a victory. Um, Baltimore defense went a long way to holding them in the in the game, but they ended up using the large, losing the yards per play battle in that one and, and a lot of the yards 48 of the 91 yards that baltimore outgained the cardinals by came uh, on a meaningless drive to end the game where they were just running up the clock arizona first downs on the baltimore 13 10 and 9 yard line couldn't get any of those in the end zone so despite it being a six-point game and what was pretty comfortable considering that the ravens were at one time up 20 to 9 uh, that game could have played out very differently and baltimore proved that they struggle defending these spread wide receiver sets with some key injuries in the defensive secondary. So matching up against Kansas City, who tore Oakland apart for at least one quarter anyway, uh, looks like the market's supporting the more attractive offense in the Kansas City Chiefs. The Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills, and we've got another home favorite here. This time it's the Bills who are listed at five and a half points. Um, They look strong on defense, obviously, so it's no surprise to see a a relatively low total at 42. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so the traders did a really good job with this one. There were other places in the market that opened about just slightly before. uh, They posted minus four in favor of the Buffalo Bills, and Cincinnati carried a little bit with them in terms of market support from, from week one. That was quickly reverted in week two when the San Francisco 49ers absolutely demolished them. Cincinnati conceded 12.0 yards per pass. That's an enormous number to concede, um, especially at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Now they go on the road to face Buffalo, uh, who did a very good job of dominating the Jets, despite not really playing out that way uh, when you're looking at the score, and then completely picking apart the Giants, despite long droughts in the middle of the game, second and third quarter. Uh, that defense, again, they absolutely suffocated the Giants. So the move up to five and a half here, uh, very good open. We're now seeing this move towards six. I think we'll see a trend towards six and a half. Uh, total at 42, probably a touch low. We'll see some over money uh, come in on this and drive this number up just a little bit. Um, waiting to see that big game from the Bills offense. They put up 28 against the Giants. Um, I think it, it's a little bit better than that just yet. So definitely agree with both the movement on the side and total in this one. On to the Atlanta Falcons at the Indianapolis Colts. Now, both of these two teams had had pretty decent results in week two. And, and with home field advantage, it's the Colts that are put in at minus two and a half. The over-under for this one is 47.5, so can either of them carry on that good performance through? This this is a tough one to predict. I think we're going to see this number sort of sit in this no-man's land around 2.5. We might see, just because Indianapolis is uh, so keen to drawing some influential money, we might see this one get up to 3. If it does, it's probably going to make that jump very soon in the week. Uh, If it gets a little bit later, this will probably stay more balanced in terms of the action coming in, and there'll be less reason to move the number. Uh, Atlanta looked 
a lot better than the score makes them seem in that game uh, just a few hours ago. Um, so I think that that performance will warrant a little bit of money on the Falcons coming in. But again, those home road splits for Matt Ryan, very daunting, uh, certainly reason to oppose that. Uh, I think the Colts still underpriced and underrated to an extent. So we'll see how this, this holds up. But I, I think for now, two and a half is a nice number. Again, we might see this one tick up to three, but the total uh, probably going to sit right around 47 and a half, 48 for the rest of the week. If not, uh, maybe come down about a half point. So our next game sees the Oakland Raiders travel to the Minnesota Vikings. And in this one, Minnesota are fancied by seven and a half points. The over-under is at 43 and a half. Are Minnesota going to move out, do you think? Is that justified? I think the price is extremely short. If this was a, a couple of weeks later into the season, uh, I'd be looking at a pretty significant bet on the Minnesota Vikings. The one thing holding me back is just because they are so run dependent. I think the Raiders very sneaky, sneakily, if that's a the proper terminology of the word, but very under the radar in terms of run defense. Um, they were able to hold Kansas City to just 1.8 yards per carry. That was on 22 rushes shut down the Denver Broncos running attack that has a number of options coming out of the backfield, we know, to be very dynamic. Um, so that's really flying under the radar. Unfortunately, there's not quite enough data to make me feel comfortable to really get a gauge on what this run defense is. Um, on the eye test, they're certainly getting to the ball very quickly. Uh, but until we have a little bit more sample size, I would love an extra game or two really to put some efficiency metrics to this run defense and see if it's stacking up as high as I think it is. Um, for that reason, the Minnesota just relentlessly willing to run the football, uh, which can benefit them. But as we saw against Green Bay, can also um, take away a little bit later in the game. Um, it, it worries me just a little bit. Uh, this is a game where Kirk Cousins can definitely have a ton of success against this Raiders secondary uh, which is it's not so much the lack of personnel and the injuries that they've suffered, but just uh, a horrific game planning that goes into it. So I, I think the number still as it is a little bit short. I'm likely going to have the Vikings in my account. I think nine, a much better number in this one. Teaser certainly alive at seven and a half. Uh, this total certainly going to tick up as well and trend towards 44, 45. So then we've got the Miami Dolphins at the Dallas Cowboys. And I think with this one, we'll start at the over-under because that seems pretty normal at 47 and a half. We said the handicap was high for the New England game for the Dolphins. This one's opened up at, well, Miami, a plus 20 and a half. It's probably no surprise that that number looks like it's going to get bigger as well. So where do you think that could land? Yeah, so we were talking about this last week on both podcasts, saying that if we're looking at the look-ahead numbers, uh, which was 13 for the Dallas Cowboys, and that was bet up to 15 and then ultimately closed 17 at some places. But there was a time where, just based on the number, if you're doing the comparisons, it was going to have the New England Patriots as a 10-point favorite against the Dallas Cowboys on a neutral field. I think Dallas attracting as much attention as the New England Patriots, and no one's going to make that number. Now at 21, it starts to look a lot more reasonable. So I think that this is the price point that makes sense for this number. It's a ridiculous number, uh, but it just illustrates the issues that Miami are having. Um, not only on defense, where they're severely misusing their personnel, but also on offense, too. This total, just because it's uh, this point spread is so big, the total is going to move based on how the point spread goes. So the more money that comes in on Dallas, the more likely we are to see this total go up. Uh, it's very unusual for someone to come in on a game like this and have an edge or perceived edge at minus 21. I'm not sure how anyone can necessarily make that. Um, but if you're, if you're laying minus 21, 
you're very likely to see this game going over the total of 47 and a half. Very difficult to get a game state that goes against that and still supports the favorite. Where on the other side, if you're liking Miami, you're probably liking the under as well. So from that perspective, just because I think there's going to be more money coming in on Dallas, Miami might get rid of Minka Fitzpatrick, which would certainly affect this number to an extent, considering how Dallas can throw the ball downfield. Uh, we're going to see both of these numbers continue to go up. So New York Giants at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In this one, Tampa Bay are the favourites at minus six and a half. The over-unders set at 48. The Giants have been pretty poor this season, to say the least. So do you think these numbers seem about right? It, it's Initially, it caught me a little bit off guard seeing this move up. Uh, the opener was six and a half. This is going to get to seven. It's probably going to go higher than that to seven and a half as well. The Giants' defense is the worst in the NFC. I don't think anyone can debate that, specifically in the secondary. It's horrendous. And Tampa Bay had all the expectations coming into the preseason. We haven't seen this passing attack come together for a good performance yet. I think this is an extremely easy spot for Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich to put together a game plan that benefits Jameis Winston, uh, as well as these receivers, Put, get O.J. Howard more involved with the game. He was sort of called out after that. So I think this is the most dynamic. We're going to see the Buccaneers passing offense um, of this early season so far. Uh, I think the Giants going into Florida, playing in that heat, it's going to be problematic for them. Uh, we're on the verge of seeing this Giants team completely collapse. Um, I think that this number is well justified. I think the move is justified. In fact, it might be um, a touch short now that I look into it. Initially, it felt like a very big number. Um, just based on the perception of the Giants. But over the last hour, hour and a half, I've been doing some more digging, uh, and it's starting to make a lot of sense. So I agree with the movement. I uh, think the total's probably going to hang right around 48, 48 and a half, maybe come down a half point, um, just because it, it, there's so much pressure on the Giants to score in order to get that big of a number. And we just haven't seen sustained offense from the Giants unless it's in a very negative game state. Um, and I, I'm not sure Tampa Bay is going to get that far ahead to where the Giants are picking up points in garbage time down by 21-28 like we saw in week one against Dallas. Uh, against the Bills, it just never manifested into that. So I, I th think the number still provides value for the Bucks, uh, but this total is not necessarily going to move with that number in the right direction. So our next game is the Carolina Panthers at the Arizona Cardinals, and we've got a rare road favourite in this one with the Panthers at minus two and a half. Thoughts on the traders are that that could potentially be quite weak. Um, the over-under, meanwhile, is 45.5. Now, you spoke about the concerns over Cam Newton last week. Do you think that's beginning to, to be accounted for in the market? Yeah, I think it was a nice note opener by the traders to get it at 2.5, where most of the other places were going 3.5. And, and I think that was just sort of anticipating a liability coming in with the Carolina Panthers. It, it, from a risk perspective, I'm not sure I fully understand it. Um, if you're posting three and a half and sort of looking to get some Cardinals money, but take your true position on the Panthers, uh, I think you're better off to go in a spot like Pinnacle did here and the guys uh, opening two and a half and just holding it up there. So um, interesting opener for sure. I think the concerns with Cam Newton are very real. I'm starting to believe more and more that there's something wrong with his shoulder that's not necessarily being talked about. Uh, they're protecting him in the play calling. And it's not just the conservative play calling that we've mentioned a couple times here on the podcast, but it's just sort of a, an adverse calling of plays to, to make sure that he's not put in harm's way. So not too sure what to make of that. The Arizona Cardinals can definitely attack the Panthers secondary. It's just a matter of can Kyler Murray do it from a neutral game state. Still, he has not scored a touchdown 
uh, from a neutral game state in both week one and week two, despite um, close results in both games. Uh, I think this Cardinals team as a whole is starting to get a little more attention than they deserve. Still serious issues at cornerback, serious issues on the offensive line. Very good front seven that Carolina might not be able to run into. But I think if Newton is just able to have some sort of competency when it comes to throwing accurate passes out to his receivers might benefit from having a little more space this week. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I think this number probably going to hang right around two and a half might see it get back to three. Um, if anything, this total is going to tick up uh, and move towards the over from 45, 45 and a half and continue to go uh, up to 47. So next up, we've got the Houston Texans at the LA Chargers. The Chargers have been made a three-point favorite for this, but the, the notes on the trader suggest there could be an appetite from betters to, to take that number. Um, the over-under is currently at 48. Now, these are two teams that, that had pretty disappointing uh, performances in Week 2. So what, what are your thoughts on this? I, I think that it's an absolute must-look for the Chargers, especially if it gets to three. I agree that that's a very good number to look. Um, in addition to Minnesota, probably my early look of the week for sure is with the Chargers. I would love to see it get down to three. Three and a half is probably still going to end up getting into my account. Um, I think Houston overall, one of the most overpriced teams in the league. Um, specific For sure, the most overpriced team in the AFC at the moment. So I'm happy to oppose them. They're probably going to draw a lot of attention from uh, recreational play and just overall volume. But uh, definitely see the advantage side here. Uh, being the Chargers and the number, I think, that can continue to tick up. My only spot for concern, um, Deshaun Watson, the third highest intended air yards per pass, so he really likes to throw it downfield. Chargers now on their third string safety uh, after injuries to Derwin James in the backup as well this week. So um, going to be a little bit exposed over the top uh, deep in that secondary, so it's potentially a spot that Watson can target. But this Houston Texans offensive line, uh, poses enough problems that I think this Chargers pass rush can really get some pressure on Watson. That, that's when we see his numbers come down just a little bit, but also when we see him uh, on his back and he's been hit uh, more times this season than any quarterback, more times in the last uh, 18 regular season games than any quarterback dating back to the start of last season. So they're doing very little to protect them. I think the Chargers can expose this team at that spot. Um, not a big home field advantage. So almost looking at a true rating here, uh, which just leads to me to think that this number's uh, just a little bit short. Probably a better price for me, five and a half. Um, seems about right for this game, maybe a flat five. Uh, not sure we see it get that high. Probably the stopping point here, four and a half, just because there'll be enough volume on the Texans to keep that number down. Um, but total-wise, probably going to see this 47 and a half maybe come down just a little bit uh, just because the Chargers play so slow. And the Texans still do have that pass rush that can cause problems for opponents. And now the same as we had last week, there's there's a couple of games that the Pinnacle Traders have decided to to sit and wait on for various reasons. I think the obvious places to start would be the Steelers and Steelers and the Saints have got potential quarterback injuries. So have you got any thoughts on the implications that those could have? Yeah, so a couple injuries today lingering. Drew Brees, the news this evening not necessarily sounding too optimistic for him returning anytime soon. Initial rumors suggest that he might not be back until the end of November. It looks like the Saints are going to go with Teddy Bridgewater. Breeze down to Bridgewater, arguably a five-and-a-half, six-point move, and that's moving from a zero up to that six. So you're crossing some pretty important numbers. It's an enormous drop-off. 
Um, interested that Peyton didn't elect to at least give Hill some time under center, um, extended time, and just have him in as a backup. Uh, seems to me like it might be a better fit within the system. Not sure the upgrade from him versus Bridgewater is necessarily anything different to begin, but that's obviously an enormous number. A tricky spot to go into Seattle and play as well, so it doesn't benefit the Saints there. We might see if Breeze is out, this number open closer to seven. Uh, it was initially listed as a pick, but we're very likely to see potentially like a six and a half, seven with the Seahawks. Pittsburgh on the road at San Francisco. That's another awfully difficult spot if Roethlisberger is out for an extended amount of time. It was a non-contact injury. A uh, little bit unusual for quarterbacks, especially when you're talking about the throwing arm. Uh, we've seen non-contact injuries plenty with legs and knees and stuff like that, but not often you see it with with the elbow and the throwing arm. So we'll see how serious that is. Roethlisberger, one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league. Um, Drop-off to Rudolph, not necessarily as drastic as like a breeze to a Bridgewater, just based on the system. Uh, we saw Rudolph come in and have some decent success moving the ball against the Seahawks, but still a significant drop-off, probably looking at a full five points there. Um, but there's some more offensive concerns with Pittsburgh as well. Uh, James Conner left that game too. So for an offense struggling to find its identity, losing uh, the quarterback and the running back would obviously be an enormous blow. So that could make this number again. Uh, initial look-aheads were somewhere around the pick. If both of those guys are out, we're probably going to see this one uh, again in that range of seven. Uh, Jets, Sam Darnold, we'll see what the team looks like with Trevor Simeon under center uh, a little bit later Monday night. Uh, but obviously going into New England, with a quarterback making his second start for the team, not a favorable situation. That one's still off the board. But based on what the Patriots did, we're probably going to see this open at a minimum of 17.5, which is an awfully big number uh, considering this is a divisional game and the Jets are nowhere near um, as poor as the Miami Dolphins where this point spread uh, getting into a similar range for that big of a number. So uh, big numbers seem to be the trend this year. Uh, it's the... It's the fun thing to do, and so there's plenty to talk about, but this will certainly be another one of those uh, if things don't go well on Monday night. Good stuff. Well, that's our, that's our slate of games. Um, thanks again for coming on, Adam. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into the details of these matchups later in the week. Let's do it on Wednesday. And thanks to everyone for listening. You can check out all the latest odds on Pinnacle.com, and as always, please gamble responsibly. 